Well, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to episode number 157 of Starting the Conversation. I'm your host, Alice Benham, and this is part two in this week's episode, or episodes, I should say, all about my experience of trolling and online bullying. Now, if you haven't listened to part one, I would really encourage you to. Uh, part one is a pretty honest and chatty conversation between myself and one of my close friends, Jess, um, where we just dive into a little bit more of my experience of being trolled online and kind of explain a little bit more of kind of what that's looked like over the last year, how it's felt, how it's impacted me. And this is part two, where I'm going to be sharing a little bit of what's helped me through that process. It's important to me anytime that I'm starting the conversation around what can be quite a sensitive or kind of hard hitting topic that I don't just leave it there. I'm very conscious that you might have left that episode kind of shaken up like flip a neck. Maybe I hadn't thought before that this was something that could happen or damn, now I feel this fear that it might happen to me or happen again. And that is the last thing that I want this podcast to do. The reason that I start conversations around these unspoken topics is to normalize them and to help us all feel a little bit less alone in our own experience of running businesses and showing up online. So to continue that conversation uh, in part two, which is what you're listening to, I want to share five of the things that have really helped me over the last year to kind of walk myself through this process and not completely remove the negative impact that it's had on me. Because if you've listened to part one, you'll know that it has had a negative impact. Um, but I guess to make the process as I was about to say navigatable, I don't think that's a word, but you know what I mean, um, as easy to walk through as possible. Now, I'm by no means an expert on online abuse. These lessons and these tips are purely from my own experience. Um, and I am intending to sit down with an expert over the next few months to bring that conversation to you because I appreciate I am speaking fully from personal experience here. But I'm hoping there's something that you can take from this. Whether you've experienced this before and something that I share might give you an extra thing that you can do to support yourself or whether you've not experienced it, but perhaps knowing what you can or will do if it happens gives you a bit of comfort, then this episode is for you. So let's get started. Uh, the first thing that has helped me over the last year is when I have experienced something that might feel or seem like trolling or online bullying is to question it. Now, I spoke a bit in the conversation with Jess about how one of my fears of being bullied online was that I would begin to be closed off to any form of negative feedback. And I would see anything that wasn't cheering me on um, or telling me that me and my work are great as someone bullying me. And the reason that I fear that is because I think that's a really dangerous mindset to get into. I believe as humans and as business owners, we should stay open to being challenged. We should be willing to hear different perspectives. And I know over the last six years of being in business, it's the moments where people have challenged me and they have encouraged me to see something from a different perspective, or they have shown me that perhaps something I was doing or thinking wasn't being done in the best way. Like that is where so much of my growth and the good stuff has come from. And I never want to get to a place where I'm closed off from that. And I'm really glad to say, I don't feel that that's happened because every time that I've experienced something that maybe triggers this, that, oh, you know, is someone bullying or trolling me here before I've immediately gone, oh my gosh, someone's bullying me. Let's block them. Let's whatever. I've questioned it. And the question that I ask is what are their intentions behind this message, behind this email, behind this comment? Are they looking for a reaction or are they looking to engage in conversation? 
if someone is purely looking for a reaction and they have no involvement within my business, they don't know me, they've not been a client, they've not been a student, they've not ever actually seen the internals of what I do, well, then I'll often go, okay, their intentions likely aren't to have a genuine conversation here that maybe feels like something that I should ignore, something that I shouldn't take on board, something that I shouldn't consider um, changing as a result of. But if it's the latter, they're looking for a conversation and it's someone where I go, oh yeah, they have engaged with my business before, or they are someone who is relevant to speak into the work that I do. And actually what they've said isn't attacking me, it's actually them prompting me or challenging me or questioning me in a way that is productive, well, actually that's something that I'm really interested to respond to. And I really want to continue the conversation of. If someone is looking to engage in genuine conversation, yes, it still feels a little bit uncomfortable. None of us like people telling us that they disagree with what we do or that they're, um, you know, maybe confused about how we've done a certain thing. But those are always where the incredible learnings come from, because it's where we begin to see outside of our bubble of thinking, of our train of thought. So the first thing I would encourage you to do when you experience anything that feels a little bit negative is to question it. What are they looking for? Are they looking for a reaction or are they looking for a conversation? Has that person interacted with your business and what you do before? And what is the intention behind that message or that thing that they have done? I really hope that this is something I can continue to do to hold in hold in equal importance, you know, ignoring the people who don't have the right intentions, but also welcoming in with a real openness and softness the people that do have the right intentions and the people that do want the best for me in my business and are actually expressing that by challenging me and by encouraging me to see something in a different way. So that's my first thing is that I questioned it. What are their intentions and therefore what should my response be? The second thing that I would encourage anyone to do, whether you have experienced this or not, is to have set lines of communication in place within your business. And what I mean by that is have a set process and have a set policy of what people should do if they aren't happy with something that you or your business have done. If your business doesn't have that in place, if people are disappointed by something they have engaged with of yours, if people aren't happy with an experience that they have received, there's every chance that their next step is gonna make that public. They might share it in a Facebook group. They might comment it on one of your pieces of content. They might share it with their audience. Now, sometimes people will be doing that because circling back to point one, their intention isn't in the right place. But a lot of the time people are doing that because they don't know what they should be doing if they have that feeling and they want to have that conversation with you. I've seen it happen quite a lot when businesses don't have these processes in place and these clear lines of communication, people go public with it and then it suddenly isn't about, hey, let's just have this private conversation about what's happened. It very quickly can begin to turn into something quite negative um, and actually something really unproductive. So when you are creating courses, programs, packages, whatever it is that you offer, set out a clear line of communication right within your contract. Say when you're onboarding clients, hey, if you have any issues, this is how you can contact me. This is the process that we're going to follow. It's not only going to make life clearer and better for the people that engage with your business, but it's also going to give you the peace of mind that 
if someone has the right intentions, they are not going to immediately go public with it and, you know, start a campaign against what you do, but they're going to follow the process that you've outlined and engage with you in a productive way. Obviously, the intention and the hope is that that doesn't have to be used within our businesses. Um, but what I'd also say to this is having a really tight feedback loop is part of it as well. If you are not asking people for genuinely constructive and honest feedback, there's likely going to be blind spots in your business where you're not delivering to your best ability. And there's every chance that if that's ignored for long enough, that could turn into someone being dissatisfied and dealing with that dissatisfaction in a way that can come across as bullying or trolling because you haven't set those clear lines of communication and you've not had that tight feedback loop in place. And this makes it way easier as well to, going back to point one, work out what people's intention is. If someone emails me, which Touchwood hasn't yet happened, saying, I absolutely hated your program. I thought it was awful because this, this, and this. As much as I wouldn't like to receive that email, I would know that their intention is in the right place because they have dealt with it in the way that I have asked them to. Um, because I've said, hey, if you deal with it in this way, if you email me, then I am going to be able to have a conversation with you and reach a resolution that feels good. Whereas if someone has gone public with it, that's quite an easy way for me to figure out, OK, that's maybe not something for me to respond to in a public way because actually they've not followed that clear outline. And that tells me that perhaps their intention wasn't to have this productive conversation and reach a resolution because that's what I've asked people to do. So point number two, have set lines of communication in place. Uh, and the third thing that's really helped me over the last year is to gather and look for the evidence. When people are trolling you or bullying you online, it's really hard because they are telling you things about yourself which are likely not true but it's really hard to remind yourself that those things aren't true. I talked about this within part one when I was having a conversation with Jess of how you know, I was brought up to believe that everything people said about me was true because I was brought up surrounded by positive affirmation. So I learned if someone says something about me, that's a good thing. Let's take it on board. Let's add it to my identity. And being trolled was the first time that I began to hear things that disagreed with who I wanted to be and who I felt I was at my best. And it was a real learning process for me to be able to hear stuff and not immediately go, oh yeah, that's absolutely true. I am that, or I did have that bad intention, or I did do this thing in a horrible way. And something that's really helped me with that is gathering evidence which disagrees with what the trolls or the bullies are saying and gathering evidence that agrees with what is actually true. I have a lot of happy folders in my life. I have one in my inbox where every time I receive a kind email, whether it's from a podcast listener, a student, a client, someone who is in my community, it goes into that folder. Uh, I've got one on my phone, in my albums. Every time I get a kind message online, I'll screenshot it, I'll put it into that folder. Um, I've got one on my desktop, which is full of testimonials and case studies from clients, uh, feedback from group programs and courses. And all of those folders and, and the stuff within them, it's not about stroking my ego, it's about gathering evidence because our brains love evidence, right? It's so easy to just hear like words, like, you know, you're great at what you do, or like, you know, write, read out an affirmation and kind of 
challenge it and be like, well, is that actually true? Like, that's just kind of empty words. But when you're looking at hard evidence, it's so much easier to take it on as truth. So I'm always gathering that evidence. That's something I've done for years. I didn't start doing that when the trolling began, but it's it's likely something I now do more of because of it. Um, and then knowing in the moments when I need that positive affirmation that I can go to it is so, so helpful. So gather and look for the evidence would be my next encouragement. Um, and it doesn't just have to be evidence in the form of, you know, messages and emails and, and testimonials or whatever. It can also be evidence from friends and family and people that you trust. Over the last year, I can't even count how many times I have rung up a family member or a close friend and just gone, hey, I have just read this thing that tells me that I am this. I don't think I am this, but can you just tell me that I'm not that because I trust you and you know me and I need to hear this from you. And don't get me wrong, in those moments, I felt a little bit dumb. I was like, oh, damn it, like I'm so needy and I just need this affirmation. And I am on a bit of a mission now to look for that affirmation and identity within myself and not always search for it from others. But I'm not going to deny that that does help having people that I know, know me and that I trust and who are honest as well. And if I did say, people are saying that I'm this, can you tell me I'm not? If they actually thought I was that, they would be like, well, you know, they've got a bit of a point. Maybe you should take that on board. Um, they're going to give me that evidence and give me that encouragement and remind me of what is true. That's, I think, the hardest thing I found about this experience of being trolled is people telling you stuff that just isn't true about you and how easy it is for you to begin to believe that. Or I guess I don't want to say you, but I can definitely speak for myself how easily I can begin to believe that. And then I act in line with that. I mean, it's a it's a dangerous, slippery slope. So third encouragement would be gather and look for the evidence. And when you need to look at it, um, yeah, kind of look at however much you need to in order to help yourself kind of disagree with and separate yourself from whatever it is that that person has said. One caveat I will say, back to point one, if someone has said something that isn't them bullying or trolling you, they're genuinely challenging you and actually just bringing an, a different perspective that might bruise your ego a bit, but maybe needs to be heard, that's not a time to go and search for opposite evidence. That's a time to engage in that conversation and go through that uncomfortable process. But if it is trolling or bullying, look for the evidence that disagrees. Um, and actually, if someone is challenging you as well, like do still look for some evidence. You know, it's not just about taking what everyone says as truth, even if they're doing it in a kind and productive way. But it's also not about the blanket statement of like anything that disagrees with me is bullying. I'm going to ignore it. Anyway, I just basically reset point one there. It's one that I'm very passionate about. Um, but encouragement or kind of tip number four uh, would be to have some digital boundaries. For me, the, the bullying and the trolling was all online. It was via social media. It was via online platforms. So a pretty easy solution to help myself have some separation from it was to take myself offline. Now that is easier said than done. My business is online. Um, and as nice as it would be just to be able to step back anytime I want or need to, that would have a negative effect on the business at some point. You know, I can do that in short bursts, but there comes a point where I can't and don't want to just completely take myself off it. So in the moment, I would just completely remove myself, turn my phone off, delete the apps. Um, but for a more long-term solution, I've looked to build boundaries around the way that I use my phone and, and use and interact with the online space. A really helpful thing I did was I blocked myself from going on the websites where I knew this content was. In a weird way, in the first few weeks and months, I found myself looking for it. It was almost this like need to know what people were saying so that I had a sense of control over it. But 
as you would imagine, that was really detrimental because I was just basically looking at all these things that were not helpful for me in any way. So I've blocked myself from those websites. So even if someone sends me a link to them, I can't see it. And if I am Googling my name, not because I'm narcissistic, but because I need to find something, it doesn't come up. And that's something that's been really helpful for me. Actually picking up on people sending me stuff, that's another thing that I've done as a digital boundary. I've asked people not to tell me if they see something. Now, of course, if people see something, which circling back to point one, is someone genuinely challenging me and they're like, hey, I think you need to know about this. I'm like, great, that's really helpful. But if it's someone saying, you know, look, I've seen that you've got a new thread. Do you want to go check it out? I have kindly asked people to not do that, which is really helpful. Something that I've seen other people do, which I definitely need to follow suit with, is outlining on their online platforms how people can and can't interact with them. Being very clear around, hey, this is what I am here for on these platforms and this is what I'm not here for. You know, if you engage with me in this way, I'm not going to respond or, you know, I don't reply to these kind of DMs or messages. And I kind of know those things personally, but I could definitely be better at sharing those externally. I also know some people who will get other people to be posting their content for them or manning their inboxes, especially maybe when it's just happened or it feels quite fresh. I think also just in general, like limiting how and when you are engaging with the online space. Like uh, in the first few weeks when I was experiencing it, I would wake up every hour in the night and check my phone because I was so scared that something would have come through. And I was kind of in this constant state of anxiety of like waiting for it to happen. And that was so unhelpful for me. It it had me completely out of control and it was, it was really bad for me. <laughs> it wasn't a good time. Um, and so now like I delete Instagram at the weekends. I don't really go on my phone as soon as work is done at the end of the day. Um, and I've basically just created more separation with the online space. So whatever those boundaries are going to look like for you, whether you've experienced it or not, I think for so many reasons, those digital boundaries are helpful. Um, so that is point number four. And then point number five, final one, is to have an action plan or have a toolbox which you know you can dip into and use um, when it does get bad or when it happens. This is something that I've really learned from people around me and it's massively helped actually with the seasons where nothing has happened. You know, it is not an everyday thing at least for me, and I'm, I'm very <laughs> fortunate to say that. But actually, that that isn't always a positive thing because it does mean that some days, even if it's not happened, it really affects me because I have this kind of low-level anxiety that it's going to happen. And sometimes for me, like the anxiety and the fear of it happening can be worse than it actually happening in the first place. And one of the things that's really helped me with this is having a toolkit not a physical one, but kind of not a literal one. What's the right word? Like a figurative toolkit? I don't, you know what I mean? Um, which I know I can dip into and use when it does happen. And that kind of just helps me know, okay, it likely will happen again. It will be hard, but I know the things that are going to help me. So for me, some of the things that are in this toolkit is exercise and kind of looking after my body. I know that really focusing on my physical health has a direct correlation on my mental health. So that's something that I will do the second that it happens. I will go on a run. I'll just get all of that kind of 
energy out and kind of process it in that way. Um, I also know that speaking to my brilliant life coach who you've had on this podcast before, or if it gets really bad, speaking to my therapist really helps as well. That's something that I can dip into. Completely taking myself, as I said, off of social media. That's another action plan. Another thing in my toolbox Um, and kind of other things as well of like journaling and like letting myself kind of process the emotions and not feeling like I need to pretend that everything's okay, but actually letting myself really feel it. That's something that supports me as well. Obviously what is within your toolkit is going to be whatever is helpful for you, but knowing what those things are that help. And it's often the simple stuff, right? It's going on a walk. It's speaking to a therapist. It's calling up a friend. It's giving yourself a bit of a duvet day if you need it. It's some of that self-care. Like those are the things that generally help when it first happens and it doesn't necessarily help you like fully walk yourself through it but I think it helps to relieve the kind of initial impact so that would be my final encouragement would be to know what your action plan is uh, and create a toolkit of things that are going to help you when you have that low moment and that's a toolkit that I use when many other challenges happen you know when something doesn't go the way that I hoped when I have a piece of bad news in my life or my business those are the things that really support me so that is it five things that have helped me over the last year Uh, there'll be so many things that I haven't mentioned I'm sure and uh, obviously as I said at the start this is all from my personal experience so I I will and I'm saying this I will 100% be sitting down with an expert soon I'm hoping over the next few months um, to kind of share I guess a more balanced and diverse and varied and also expertise filled um, stance on this but I hope you have found this interesting or helpful Um, I hope these episodes both of them have in some way supported you where Wherever you're at with your experience of trolling or online bullying, I'm very aware these are these are big topics. These are big conversations. If it has in any way affected you negatively, I would just really encourage you, like know the things that are going to help you to process that and walk through it. Like this is a big conversation and it's a big conversation for me, me to have, let alone for you to listen in on. So, you know, if you need professional help, please don't hesitate to do that. There is no shame um, in admitting that you're not okay and engaging in the right forms of support in helping yourself walk through that. So this is it, part two of this episode. I will be back next week, next Tuesday with another episode. It's going to be a little bit more lighthearted. So it'll be nice, bit of a change of change of vibe for next Tuesday. But I'd love to hear your thoughts over on Instagram. Alice underscore Benham is my at my at. God, I've never said that before. Never going to say that again. Come and share your thoughts with me. I'm really interested to hear how these two episodes have gone down. Um, So I'll see you over on Instagram and I'll be back in your ears next Tuesday. 